Okay. Hi, guys. Welcome to today's edition of Startup Couches. On the couch, I'm really excited to have John. John is the co-founder of RingPain. Welcome to the couch, John. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah. So basically, on Startup Couches, what we do is we bring amazing founders on the couch who are building great products out in the markets and you know they talk about their products they talk about the product journeys and basically the impact that these products are making in our communities today so jumping right into it what is ring pain and can you tell us how it works yeah uh, ring pain is a platform that helps companies engage with customers offline in addition to online so you can create personalized pages and then distribute those pages through qr codes or short links and it gives you the ability to run your digital campaigns offline in addition to online. So it opens up a lot of opportunities for these companies that have physical products or locations. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. So um, how does it work? QR technologies, you know, how do you deliver this to your customers? Yeah, so we have a no-code front end. And using that front end, it's you can create a page or a template really easily that has like your company logo and whatever actions you want the users to take once they scan the code. Like they could sign up for an email, they could buy a product, they could download an app. Um, so you decide what you want to have on your page. And then once you create it, the last step is it generates the QR code and the short link. And then you can put that QR code, you know, on a, on a mailer, in your product. In your bio. Um, I'm sorry. In your bio, uh, on social yeah, media? exactly. In a social bio, um, on any billboard, on any video display, stuff like that. They're showing up on TV and webinars a lot now. And then um, those pages can also change over time, so you can use it as an engagement point with your customer, and it can always be relevant to them because you can change what they get served when they scan the code or click the link. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense, right? Um, and so. I would like to know who your main customer segment is, who are you targeting, like who pays you the most money today as RingPin? Yeah, right now our biggest customers are um, people with retail locations where they can bring kind of the best of their e-commerce operations in store. We're working with some um, big name brands that uh, basically you can go to the store and scan the code and that's the only way to purchase the products. So you go in store to like try it on, make pick out the color that you like. And then you scan the code and buy it from online and they ship it that day to you. Um, so anyone that has a product or a physical location, it works really well for. And we're also working with some corporate gifting platforms that send you like a Nam's Bake Shop. They send you a box of cookies with your name and a QR code printed. When you scan that, it's a personalized video from the sender with the action, like book a meeting or sign up for an email list or buy a product. So really anyone that has a physical product or location are our main targets right now. Okay. Okay. That's actually really amazing. So um, I'm very curious. Um, how did you start this? How did you start um, RingPin? What's the founding story like? Yeah, my co-founder has been um, intrigued with this offline communications and QR codes for many years. Uh, but I was hesitant because Americans uh, never really liked scanning QR codes. You know, they've been around for 25 years. Uh, they've never really caught on here. Um, you know, they've had a couple different waves where people thought they were, they were going to be popular and, and that never really um, materialized. But then we noticed, um, you know, kind of in 
the end of 2019, when COVID was coming around the world, uh, we saw all the videos from China where people had to scan QR codes in order to like move through restricted areas and things like that. And we realized that there was going to be forced adoption here in the United States, you know, for contactless services and things like that. So, you know, it, it started with the menus in restaurants and then it's really kind of proliferated in almost every facet of life right now. So um, at the same time, you know, all the phones were able to scan QR codes natively. So you didn't need to download a QR scanner or anything like that. So it became much more easy for people to use. Yeah. And uh, we really leaned into it, you know, at the beginning of 2020 and uh, have been building the platform and talking to as many potential customers as possible to see, you know, what problems they have that we could solve with this type of solution. So um, it really took us a long time to be convinced to do it. And then it really it was kind of. Um, yeah, because of the pandemic that forced the adoption that really opened up the market opportunity and made it something that was going to be viable. Okay, okay. That actually sounds really, really, really um, interesting. Right. Um, I think the pandemic actually, you know, caused a lot of, it was a focal point where a lot of things, you know, are now viewed differently, especially our online experience, which before now, of course, in, in a lot of markets, before now, it used to be a very, very optional thing. A lot of people were pushed, were forced to actually, you know, get their businesses online, where, you know, get 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 to communicating online, get to, you know, expressing, engaging, becoming social online, you know. So, like, the, the whole importance of, you know, the whole contactless um, technology, as you've mentioned, really, really became very, very obvious during the pandemic. Right. Um, I'm nodding my head furiously through the computer here. I totally agree with what you said. And and people got much more accustomed to communicating online and realizing, you know, that they didn't necessarily need to go in store or see people face to face to have these types of enriched engagements. Yeah, 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 definitely. And so um, how has growth been at Ring Pain? You know, how would you started? How would you say you have grown so far? Um, you know, to be totally upfront with you, it's been slower than I would have loved. Uh, but I always feel like as a founder, everything goes slower and is more expensive than you'd want it to be. Plan, um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're really excited about the people that we're working with now. We have some some big name customers and a lot in our pipeline. So, um, you know, just over the past few months, it's really picked up a lot. But um, basically, I would never be satisfied. Nothing's ever fast enough for me. So it's taken. <laughs> it took really six months to figure out which market segments we were going to go after and, and the value that we were offering them because we could find a solution in almost every industry. Like we could help people, you know, for automotive or real estate or retail or e-commerce. But we had to kind of decide where we wanted to focus our attention and where we provided the most value. And once we did that, then it was much easier to pick up new customers and figure out who to target and and know, you know, what what language they speak in that industry and all that type of stuff. So uh, really excited about where we're at right now, but um, it all takes much, much longer than I wanted it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, this is just a testament of growth. I think everything um, I think projections are one thing, but I think realities are another thing altogether. So I, I really like how often that one is you about what you projected <laughs> and what is going on. This is really normal, you know, in startup life cycle of any business. It's really, really normal, all right? So um, what are you looking forward to? What's like the next big milestone at Ring Pain like? 
Yeah, we're um, we're talking to some pretty well-known companies about white labeling the platform, and that would get us, you know, into almost all the big box retailers here in the United States. So I'm really excited to continue those conversations and, um, you know, just see our stuff out in the wild um, a lot more. So just kind of more of the same of what we're working on. I think we're on a really good path right now, and uh, some of the integrations that we do. We have an API so they can pass data from existing systems in order to um, personalize the experiences and keep them relevant. So it takes a lot longer if you're trying to get someone to do an integration and get on their product roadmap and you know development sprints get involved in order to do an integration um, yeah. than just have a product that they can just spin up on day one. So they can spin it up on day one, but if they want to pass the information through the API, it usually takes you know some development. And I'm excited for those to finally start happening where. Um, we can really provide additional value because they have a lot of data in their in their network or systems that they can use to populate these templates and really kind of blow away their customers by having it be such a relevant experience. So I think getting in those big box retailers with the white label and having um, these API integrations finally come through are what I'm probably most excited about right now. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so... Um... About integration, you know, how big is the team? Are you looking to grow out the team? Are you looking to raise money soon? How are you looking to kind of manage, you know, the plans of getting into these big name companies as you're already in the partnership talks with these people? Yeah, um, we haven't really grown the team much yet outside of my co-founder and I. We do have a great group of advisors and that's really where our team's growth has been right now. Uh, okay. I think we have about 10 or 11 advisors, which might seem like a lot for an early stage, but I feel like I get to put together a dream team, uh, kind of be like the general manager of a sports team and pick all these people that I've known that are so talented that, you know, can serve different roles for us. So uh, really excited about the advisors that we have on board. I think they're all superstars in their own right. We haven't looked to hire any full-time employees or anything yet, just as we've, um, you know, bootstrapped this platform and we're trying to grow with our own revenue. Um, okay. There is a chance that we try and um, raise money soon, but really more important than the money is finding the right partners for us. We think that yeah. we, could, we could get money from a lot of different places. We want to find someone that really adds a lot of value and we'd be open to that if we found that person. But our plan was to bring this to market ourselves and then uh, kind of see what happens once we've uh, established our value in the market. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and so my final question for you, um, John, is what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned so far through the process of building RingPin that you would like to pass on to another founder that is starting to build their product? Yeah, it sounds pretty cliche, but um, you know, the idea really means nothing. It's, uh, it's how you can execute that idea and how you can distribute that idea. Um, you know, we've built many things in the past and some we've had like higher um, goals than others, but the idea come a dime a dozen. And if you're not the best people to execute that idea, it's, it's almost never going to be successful. So it's really about how you're going to execute it and, and how you're going to get it in people's hands. Like if you build the best product in the world, but nobody knows about it, that's not going to be very valuable. So yeah. you have to look at the big picture and, um, you know, instead of just think, oh, I have the best idea in the world. It has to be, oh, I have the best idea in the world and we can actually bring this to market and we have a way to get it in people's hands. So you, you, you can't just have an idea and think it's going to work without, you know, being the best team to make it. So I feel like we could tell everybody what we're doing and we're not worried about people copying because we're the best team to execute it. 
Um, so people are afraid to share their ideas because they think other people are going to copy it and try and do it. And I think getting as much feedback on your idea and getting your idea beat up by a lot of different people is actually really helpful to, uh, to build your product and talk to as many potential customers as possible. That seems obvious too, but now, like you talked about with people willing to talk online and, and less people traveling into the office, you can get more meetings per day now than you ever could before. So you can get yeah. as much feedback now as ever and, and get it as early as often in the process. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think that's actually very, very strong um, um, lesson to pass on. You know, ideas are nothing. Execution and distribution is every single thing, right? And so on this juncture, I'd like to say thank you so much, John, for coming on the couch today. This has been an interesting conversation. What do you think? Thanks a lot for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And for everyone listening, make sure to subscribe, make sure to share this episode with your friends. You already know that every single week we bring you amazing people like John who are building great products out in the market. So make sure to stay tuned. And until next time, see ya.